0: Welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life. My name is Mike and this week's guest is an incredible young man that I met a little bit ago and I had the absolute honor to be able to pace him at 100 miler and uh, learned a lot about him and you guys are really going to enjoy this guy. Adam Morrell, are you ready to go for a run? Yes, I'm ready. So Adam, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do when you're not out running.
1: Yeah, well, running is quite a bit of what I do, but I'm a structural engineer by trade. I have a family of two young girls, six and seven, and a wife, Lisa. We live in Virginia Beach. We've been here for about three years. I'm kind of a Midwesterner, but I'm getting used to the beach life. Cool.
0: And where are you from originally?
1: So I'm from Missouri, Kansas City area. I uh, went to high school there and also college. went to KU. So, yeah, with uh, the pandemic in 2020, we actually packed up and moved out to Virginia Beach, given some job opportunities that were available. And, uh, man, we couldn't be happier. It's a great place. A lot of cool people, too.
0: Yeah, that's kind of wild. So you're in the Kansas City area during when the pandemic started, I take it. Yes. And somehow found a job out here during the pandemic, huh?
1: Yeah, it was actually August. Of 2020 i moved out here which was the worst time to move i mean the house oh, hunting yeah. search was just terrible we couldn't find anything that really fit the bill but we, we found this house that had been on the market for 17 days and man it just kind of everything fell in line with that house you know we'd, we'd been in the area for about five days doing a house hunting trip and man we didn't think we were going to get one but we finally did and it is the perfect spot. I tell you, church is a half mile down the road where I work is three miles the other direction. And then the girls go to Atlanta Shores Christian School, which is another half mile, the opposite direction. So it's like the perfect triangle. So That's awesome. God absolutely had a plan with where we're planted. And I couldn't be happy. Yeah.
0: So you don't have to get out in the Hampton Roads, crazy traffic.
1: No, no. I just, I turn left on Centerville, take Volvo all the way down.
0: It's that a, is awesome drive yeah that's that's the best way to be at peace
1: yeah absolutely and you know, i get you to spend more time with the family which is definitely more important
0: cool and hooked down virginia beach yeah right okay yeah. awesome so adam where did the running start like have you always been a runner
1: i have run all my life but i wouldn't say i'm defined as a runner you know, I, I grew up playing a lot of sports, played baseball, basketball, um, wrestling, you know, you name it, I was playing it. And um, I'd say my main sport in high school was actually golf. Oh, and, wow. um, sophomore year of high school, I kind of got into cross-country running and kind of fell in love with the half marathon distance. I did a marathon in 2011. I tried it and I cramped up at mile 20. So I decided, eh, maybe marathon's not my distance. So I kind of dabbled with the half marathon distance from, I'd say, from when I was a sophomore in high school through college. I ran a lot in college just as a hobby, did different races here or there, you know, 5Ks. Um, but then I switched to CrossFit in 2014. And that's actually where I met my wife. But I was a totally different athlete. I gained like 40 pounds, put on a bunch of muscle, and started doing a bunch of elliptic uh, weightlifting. And, um, just kind of focused on that for about four years until about, I'd say, 2020, I started running again. Once we got into the area, I kind of was slacking on working out, hadn't found a CrossFit gym. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to start running again. And I actually hooked up with a guy at church named Andy. He actually, one day I came to church and I was I was talking to him and said, you know, how's your morning been? And he said, oh, it's been good. I ran 10 miles. And I said, what you ran 10 it's it's like 7 30 you ran 10 miles already it's like oh yeah i just woke up and ran 10 miles i was like that's, that's awesome that's pretty crazy and he's like do you want to come next sunday and i was like well sure i haven't run this type of distance in a long time but i'd love to so i joined him the next weekend and from that point on i i, I just fell in love with running again long distance that's awesome specifically. yeah it, he got me back into it and i haven't looked back since and, that uh, is cool. So is Andy that, still running? Yeah, he, he actually is still running. He He's running Holiday Lake uh, next February. Okay. Yeah, we run together sometimes. Not as much anymore, but we used to run pretty consistently every Sunday. He's that great is
0: guy. so cool. Yeah. Awesome. So as you started running, did you run many races when you started running here in the local area? Or what, did, were you just running for fun and health? So it was like
1: August of 2022. I started running with Andy and we started running longer and longer. We went from 10 to 12 to 14 and we would slowly build me up, you know, cause I hadn't been running in forever and he had, you know, goose and the camelback and all that. And I, I didn't take anything on these runs. So by the end of the runs, I was cramping up pretty bad. I just, I'd forgotten everything that I knew 10 years earlier. So we do that. And then, um, I decided, hey, you know what? Let's try a marathon again. Because last time I did a marathon, I had kind of a bad experience. You know, I was going for a sub four, but I cramped up at mile 20. I ended at a four and a half. And that was when I was in college. So I was like, you know what? Let's Let's do a marathon next year. So I did a marathon, Shamrock Marathon in 2022. I think it was in March. And then my buddy from work said, you know, I'm thinking about doing a 60K. And I said, a 60K? Serious? He's like, yeah, it's at uh, First Landing. It's a trail Okay. He's
0: like, you want to do it with
1: me? And I was like, well, sure. So we actually ran the the marathon together. And then we decided to run this 60K together as well. And, you know, we we started talking about ultra running. And one thing led to another. And we signed up for a 50 mile in the summer. And then we signed up for Rim River later in the year.
0: Oh, my gosh. uh,
1: and yeah, it just one thing led to another. It's kind of a snowball type effect. <laughs> no, that is, That
0: is not kind of a snowball. Let's run a marathon. Oh, hey, 60K. Uh,
1: oh, 50 mile. Hey, Rim to River. Yeah, well, we were going to do the Yeti, actually. We, okay. we had plans. But well, you couldn't Yeti, get in? But we couldn't get in. And we were afraid that one of us was going to get in and the other not. So we decided both to enter our names in for the lottery, uh, Rim to River. And we both got in. So we decided, hey, That's let's awesome. do it. We had a group of five guys that actually did it last year. That was okay. my first 100 last year, 2022.
0: That is amazing. So Rim River last year was your first 100. And so what did you learn at Rim River last
1: year? I learned that I, even though I thought that I was trained, I was not trained for that type of environment, for the altitude not necessarily the altitude, I'd say more of the elevation and the right. the type of trails that there are there. Because from where I live right now, I run a lot of roads with no vert. Right. And so if I want vert, I have to go to Trashmore, which I wasn't doing very much. I'd say last year I was running between 40 and 50 miles most weeks. Um, you know, no speed work, hardly any vert. So when I got the rim to river, uh, my legs were just absolutely shot by i'd say halfway and wow. it was just a, it was just a grind just to get myself to the finish line just barely getting past the aid station cutoffs every single aid station was like okay when's the cutoff oh i'm right on it i better hurry up it was that right so it was no after 50 miles it was no fun
0: <laughs> so it was, it was constantly chasing cutoffs and stressing out about it right
1: yeah and uh it was crazy because i had a group of guys that did it with me and only one of them actually ended up finishing. But it was fun running with those guys. I ran with a guy named Andre. Uh, we ran together for the first 27. And then there were another group of three guys that ran ahead of us. They're about 10 minutes ahead of us the whole race. So it was cool to see them at like the eight stations. They'd be coming out. We'd be going in. So it wasn't just me running. It was a bunch right. of us. So it was kind of a cool community. Like we we're having fun with it. So I'd say that made it more enjoyable, but it was still very painful after the 50 mile marker. I can imagine. Yeah. So when, when you finished that,
0: did you think one and done or did you want retribution?
1: Oh man, I, I wanted to do it again. I actually was so pumped that I finished. I only had 30 minutes to spare when I crossed the finish line and it was everything that I had. And I just thought to myself, you know, I can do better than this. I can i can get closer to that 24 hour mark and it's a western states qualifier so i was like man it'd be cool to run western and see courtney de walter and all those guys yeah so i entered in for the lottery didn't get in ended up registering for rim to river again this year and actually ran that last month
0: that is amazing so as uh, and we're going to get totally into rim to River here in a second so Realizing what you found out at your first Rim to River, what did you change in your training plan and your approach for the 2023 Rim to River?
1: So I, this training block, I checked my ego at the door. I um, focused a lot more on heart rate training, keeping my heart rate in zone two, so below 153 for me, somewhere between 140 and 153 every run. I even set my watch face so it would only display heart rate. Because I oh, get a cool. fancy when I see my pace. So having it on heart rate was definitely easy for me to keep that goal. So I did heart rate training and I did a ton more vert. And I think I even logged more miles this year from Strava. I think it was like 200 more miles this year than it was last year, something like that. Okay. But
0: so you spent say... a lot more time at Trashmore, or where did you get most of your vert?
1: Yeah, I spent more time at Trashmore, and I took your advice, actually, going the short way. I don't think I had done that before, but I did the short way a couple times, couple weekends. And Okay, um,
0: so doing the up and overs over and yeah,
1: over? Yeah, right. And I'd say one thing that actually really helped me this year was doing the my first 50K okay. in Williamsburg. So my wife was supposed to run that race, but unfortunately, she got sick. So I ran it in her place. That trail running the technical routes and you know undulation of of ground was really good for my legs like to kind of prime me before right. the november run i couldn't believe how much that helped me because once i hit those west virginia trails my legs seemed like they knew what they were doing that's so awesome that priming race is actually really important that's one thing that i learned this
0: year okay so you'll you'll definitely throw that in your bucket for future races
1: Oh, definitely. And and next year, I'm going to get even more vert than I got this year. I'm going to figure okay. out a way to do that.
0: You're going to go uh, and you're going to run Priest and Three Ridge Summit with me, aren't
1: you? I might. I might. Yeah. But I'm convinced the vert is where it's at. Focus on the vert. I yep. mean, that that really does wonders. Yeah. And,
0: these- and it's funny if you're planning, I always tell people, OK, if you're planning to run and it's mainly like rails to trails and that type of stuff. Yeah, you can do bridge training in Hampton Roads. But if you're planning on doing a trail vert, you got to get on uneven surface. And Trashmore is the closest we have to vert in uneven surface. So Trashmore is where I camp out when I need those kind of miles.
1: Oh, yeah. Trashmore is great. I'm so thankful that we have Trashmore. I know it sounds funny, but it's actually a really good, what, we call it a hill? What do we call it? (laughs) Uh, I don't know what we call it. Can you
0: call it a hill? I mean, I don't know if you can call it a hill. A rise yeah, and we why, why don't we go and mound. rise yeah it's, they're mound mound go, yeah. there you go okay the, yeah. yeah it's a it's it's a good mound so, yeah, yeah. it's a great mound I'm so
1: thankful for that mound if it wasn't yep. for that mound I'd be pretty much out of luck I'd have to yeah. step faster at the gym or like uh, high incline treadmill which I don't yeah. like to do I'm not a treadmill guy
0: yeah, I mean it's okay but yeah I'd rather be outside
1: so, exactly
0: exactly <laughs> cool. so going into this year's Rimed River you kind of upped your training plan a little bit. Did you do anything different nutrition, hydration wise?
1: Actually, I did. I uh, gave up coffee in August, uh, August 19th. And I decided, you know, I'm going to try this out and see if it has any impact on my running. And actually, I feel like it did. I would wake up in the morning with more energy on my runs. My stomach actually digested food better during my runs and my races. And uh, so giving up coffee was one of those things. I would say diet wise, I tried to focus on eating cleaner, cut out some of the sweets that I had been eating the previous year and focused on, you know, vegetables and fruits and whole grains and stuff like that. My wife's a great cook, so she was definitely helping me with that. So yeah, I would say I cleaned up my diet and um, just kind of changed the way that I was training. So let's jump into
0: Rim to River 2023.
1: What was it like? Oh, man, it was an adventure. I was, man, I was feeling great. Three weeks before the race, I was like, man, I don't think I've ever felt this good. I didn't have any injuries this year. My training blocks were just awesome. I was really pleased with how things were going. I was like, thank you, Lord. Man, this is amazing. I'm so blessed that I'm in this position. But the week before the race, I was at church at Helly Harvest, and I actually came down with a pretty bad virus on Saturday, the Saturday before the race. So I remember waking up on Sunday morning at church. My voice was gone. I had low energy. I thought it might have been an allergy thing, but I wasn't 100% sure. But when I woke up on Monday, I knew this was a bad deal. I mean, I my voice sounded terrible. I had body aches. Congestion was in my chest. I had a terrible sore throat. I mean, I was sick as you can be, and um, I would say at this point, I started to get pretty discouraged, and I think you remember me texting you and telling you all this, but I went to the doctor on Tuesday just to see if there's anything she could do, because I got a race coming up, like, is there any way she can heal me? So I went to the doctor, and they tested me for strep throat, it wasn't strep throat, ended up being a virus, and she said, basically, the only way to beat this is just to wait it out. You know, I can give you something for the symptoms, but you're just going to have to beat this on your own. And I looked at it and I was like, well, I got a hundred mile race coming up this weekend. And she looked at me with this strange look and she goes, really, <laughs> are you still going to run it? I was like, yeah. And uh, I was like, what do you think? You think I can do it? I can beat this thing before Saturday. And she said, I think you can. She gave me some encouraging words. I think you can. I was like, oh, man. Okay. That's awesome. So this doctor actually believes in me, and uh, she gave me some advice on, you know, taking my inhaler and kind of what to do. So I felt encouraged by that. I felt like that was like the boost that I needed because I, I was in the dumps. And finally, I had somebody other than my wife telling me that it might be possible to run this race. So still going during the week, feeling in the dumps. I had to take off a day from work because I was feeling so bad. Didn't really feel any better on Thursday. Still had a sore throat, still had body aches. I'd say it might have been slightly improved, but not much. And then Friday, we left to go to Rim to River. And I remember waking up just feeling just terrible. I mean, I was incredibly discouraged. I was getting calls from work. You know, people needed me. And I I talked to Lisa. I was like, you know what? This Everything is happening right now that I didn't want to happen. I wanted it to be kind of relaxing, you know, going into the race in good spirits, good health. But it was the total opposite. It was flipped on its head. And everything that could have gone wrong kind of went wrong. And I was, you know, working in the car, trying to figure stuff out. Finally made it to West Virginia. And I met up with you and uh, kind of strategized a little bit. Yeah, I remember when we were at the pre-race meeting, I was sitting there with my uh, hot chicken noodle soup thinking, man, this is the only thing that's going to do it now. Chicken noodle soup. Just listening to the race director describe the race, just compulsively telling myself, okay, I have to go to sleep. I hope this thing ends quickly. I need to get back to the cabin. I need to sleep. Because I was convinced that if I could get one good night of sleep, I could actually Everything have a great race.
0: Magical, wouldn't it?
1: Yes, wow. absolutely. So luckily, it was a quick pre-race meeting. We skipped the prizes. You and I got out of there. You know, we strategized a little bit. And then we went to our respective cabins. And I think I went to bed at like 730 that night. Uh, my pastor called me. We prayed. You know, he was praying that God would give me health to run and I'd be able to share the gospel on the trail, which was super cool. So I knew people were praying for me. And so I went to bed at 730, kind of excited. Like, this is, I can do this. I'm going to wake up feeling great, you know, in the morning. Well, that didn't happen. I went Understatement of the year. (laughs) Oh, man. I went to bed and I just laid there. And I closed my eyes and I tossed and I turned and I could not sleep for the life of me. And, uh, when it was all said and done, Lisa was there with me and and she was just seeing my anguish. I, I so wanted to sleep. My body needed to sleep. I was in a bad spot, but I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't. So I remember waking up, I think it was at four, four o'clock or three 30, or two. And, uh, I had gotten two hours of sleep. So not only was I sick, but I had two hours of sleep and I felt worse Saturday morning than I had felt any day of the week. And you're toeing
0: the line for a rather difficult 100 miler.
1: And I just, I turned to my wife, she woke up, turned to my wife, and I said, why is this happening to me? (laughs) Trained all year for this race and now I'm just terribly sick. And I said, you know, this I might not finish today. I actually said that I might not finish today, but I'm going to give it my best shot. This is going to be a hard race. We left the cabin, got to the start line, and I just remember it was freezing cold. I mean, it had to be low 30s and just yeah, definitely. bone-chilling cold. And to me, I was colder than you know I'd normally be because I was sick. And I had my full jacket on. I had a sweatshirt on. I had a scarf on, I had a hat on, I had these big gloves on, and I was just standing at the start line once we got down there, just thinking, wow, I was kind of emotional, I kind of teared up a little bit, wow, like, this is it, I'm here, and I'm sick, and I don't know if this is going to happen, and I remember Lisa just looked at me, and she said, just give it your best, because we came came all the way down there, and you came all the way down there, and I was not going to just throwing the towel. Then I wanted to, but I wasn't going to do it. So that's how, when I hit the starting line, that is my state. That was how I felt. I was absolutely in the dumps.
0: So how did the, how did the beginning go? Because
1: you were, you must have, something must have happened because you were moving well. Well, so when I started out, I initially tried to be mid pack per hour strategy. Um, there's a big climb at the beginning of the race and you get into like a pack of runners and you can't pass anybody. So I tried to to be mid pack and kind of get toward the front. So I wouldn't be in the, in the train stall, but I was sick at the same time. And I, I was just, I was going to attack our strategy, whether I was sick or not. I said, you know what, let's just do it. I had a scarf on my face. It hurt to breathe. I was coughing probably every two minutes. And I looked down at my watch and I, my heart rate was 165, like right out of wow. the gate. It was just, and I wasn't even going uphill. I was just literally 100 feet from the finish, and I looked down at my watch, and my heart rate's 165. And I was monitoring it the whole first seven and a half miles on the trail, and it was elevated. I mean, I was in the 160s the whole time, and I was not going fast. And so it was at that moment where I realized my body's not good. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I'm in a bad place right now. Like if my heart rate's elevated right now, I'm not even at seven and a half miles. I thought in my mind then that there's going to be a point in this race where my body's just going to stop working. I don't know when that's going to be, but you know what? I'm going to run as many miles as I can until that point comes. So I remember I, um, I arrived at mile seven and a half true to my pace. And I think it was like an hour Forty-five or something like that. Forty-two. At least yep. I was there. She actually almost missed me because I came a little like right on the dot. So you were a little pace quicker. Pace. You were a little quicker than than
0: what she was expecting. So yeah, what she was
1: expecting. But on my pace card, it was pretty much on the dot. Maybe a little. You were you were in the zone on the pace card. So yeah, you know. I was in the zone. I yeah. was in the zone, and I wasn't feeling good. She she saw me at the aid station. We got me some food. You know, I got some extra nutrition. Gave the kids a hug. They were there. That was awesome. And then I just told Lisa, you know, I'm going to probably fall apart at some point. I don't know when that point is, but I guess I made it seven and a half. She's like, well, you made it seven and a half. Let's keep going. It's like, okay. So at this point, it was miles seven and a half to 17. I was running up the Thurmond. And this is where you have a pretty technical, like rock climbing section. I mean, it's not super climbing, but it's an uphill section pretty technical. Um, and you climb up to that set up through that section down to Thurman. So you go up and then down. I remember I was kind of zoned in, in my tunes. You know, I wasn't thinking about a whole lot, just trying to crank the miles down, just seeing how many miles I could crank through. Um, but I was super conscious of my body and it wasn't feeling good. The coughing was becoming more regular and, um, it, the air really hurt to breathe. So I was keeping that scarf on. And then once I got to Thurmond, I saw Christina actually coming back from Thurmond. I actually saw Christina I waved at her. We talked for a little bit. She was actually way ahead of her pace as well. Uh, I think she was only about 10, 15 minutes behind me when I right. saw her. Uh, luckily, I got past the train. There was a train actually on the tracks that was getting ready to go. I just made it past the train before it started moving. Unfortunately, as you know, Christina got stuck behind yeah, Got it. stuck behind it, yeah. Yeah. So I considered myself fortunate that I beat the train because it was in the back of my mind that the train would start moving. And I'm one of those crazy people that would try to, like, cut in front of the train, like, <laughs> I'm in a race. <laughs> so I'm happy. I could totally
0: picture that, too.
1: Yeah, I was totally happy I didn't have to do that. But, yeah, so coming out of mile 17, um, I was feeling good, met a few people, started running with some people. When I say feeling good, my energy was pretty good. Uh, I was still dealing with, you know, all the symptoms of my sickness and everything, but my goal was just to come into mile 27 at about six hours. Like, you know yep. what, let's come into 27, about six hours. That'll put me in a good spot, you know? And then I can just have said that I ran a marathon. At I ran, least I ran a marathon in the mountains. Like that's cool. And it was a decent time. So I came in there at about six hours into Canard and I get in there and I'm looking everywhere for Lisa. I'm like, where's Lisa? I'm looking at I'm scanning. I'm literally scanning the parking lot like so intensely. Like, where is Lisa? Where are the kids? Because last year they were right there. You know, I hugged them. We had a good little reunion. She had coconut water for him. It was great. This year I was like, where are they? I didn't find them. I couldn't see them. So I was like, well, maybe they're not here. So I got on my cell phone, dialed Lisa's number, called her, and it said, I'm sorry, no reception. Yeah. There are reception. So this was actually the point in the race where Lisa was going to bring me my poles. Because after Canard, there's a big climb. And I needed my poles based on what was going to happen after that. Yeah. But she wasn't there. So I got a little hot. I got a little angry, like kind of mad. Like, man, are you kidding me? Like I need my poles. Like at this point, I wasn't even thinking about my body. I wasn't even thinking about my sickness. I was just angry that Lisa wasn't there. That's it. That's all I was thinking about is like, where is she? So I actually left canard without her just thinking, ah, forget it. I'm not going to use my poles. You know, this is not going to be a good day anyway. I'm just going to go. Like I thought about waiting, but then I was like, nah, it's, it's a bad race anyway. Let's just, let's just go. I was in a bad head spot. Yeah. But after I got, Out of canard, I started going up the hill a little bit, and I saw Lisa coming down, and my aunt and uncle were behind her, and I was, you know, I said a few words to her that weren't very nice, and got my poles out of the back of the trunk, and said, you need to be here, you know, an hour before next time, blah, 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 and she was a little disappointed too, because I guess I was way under my time at that point.
0: Yeah, you were way, way under your time, and your tracker wasn't working very
1: well. Yeah, that's what she said. It was spotty, yeah. I yeah. guess.
0: It was like it wouldn't, it would refresh, but it w- It wasn't showing where you were. And so she had no clue where you were. And so, and because she's following the tracker and, and the tracker still had you someplace way out from Canard. So she thought she still had plenty of time. And yeah, that was, yeah, that was it. And you were ahead of your pace. So you, you crushed that section from Thurman to Canard.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, that I was, you that was great. exactly. I was saying like you know I was trying to do like a marathon, at a decent pace. I wasn't like killing it, but I wasn't moving slowly either. I was moving right. at a brisk pace to get in there. But um, I remember coming out of there though. I had some fire. Like I had some like I don't know. I had some energy. Some you fire did that
0: next energy. section. You cruised, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was pumped up. I was like you know what? Like, let's just, let's just go. Like, forget this. Like, and I just took off up the hill, man. I was just, and that was a healthy climb out of Cunard. It was, it was. And I, I just remember pa- I probably passed, I think five people going up that climb. Wow. I just took off and it was a little silly because I paid for it later, which <laughs> I'll talk about, but yeah, after I got through that climb, we got onto the trail, the, the rim river trail, and I started following the rim, and as you know, you ran some of it with me, actually. Yeah, yeah. After we came out of Arrowhead, kind of wraps around. And it's kind of a drop off on the left side. That it's was a wee what bit I, of a drop off. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what I started running on, and uh, the trails weren't super technical through that section from mile twenty seven, I'd say, thirty four. But yeah,
0: they're very runnable, but it's all uphill from from Kennard.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was some decent vert there, and then. There's a section called the Kmore Miners Trail. Yep. I can't remember exactly what biomarker that is. I think it's like 34. Were yeah, 34 or 35, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, you start going up. And I remember there was a section where there were benched rocks, and the rocks were probably two and a half feet tall. And I was just like hand over handing those things. And this is where I started to experience a new problem. My Achilles tendon started... Just going off, like it started painful, and I was like, "Oh man, what in the world is going on?" Like I hadn't felt my tendon all day, like it was my right tendon, and it was burning. Every step going up these uh, benches was burning. I was like, "Oh boy, I got another problem now." (laughs) But it was problem solving. There you go. Yeah, it was a blessing in disguise, though, because at this point, I was focused on my tendon. Now I wasn't really thinking about my health anymore like between the fire of like leaving canard kind of angry and then my tendon kind of just blowing out and my legs getting really sore at the top of the bouldering section kind of forgot about everything and i was just focused on my tendon now like i don't know why i just stopped thinking about how i felt i just started running and i had some good songs pop on and just kind of cruised yeah and And so uh,
0: you did that section really really well
1: yeah, I did that section pretty well. I took it a little too hard, though, looking back, because my legs were pretty shot at the top of the k Miners Trail, because I, I took the benches harder than I should have. That was really dumb. I mean, I should have just kind of walked up them, but I was, right. like, trying to run up these benches. <laughs> and then, looking back, like, what was I thinking, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Now, those aren't exactly running. Yeah, no, running type of rocks. Those are, those are,
1: you know, take a little easy not at type all
0: type of rocks, yeah. yeah yeah exactly
1: and then uh after that uh it was we went down the long point not the long point we went to the lookout yeah had to go out to the lookout get a keychain, and then take it back with you to long point i remember going out to the lookout and i was feeling pretty rough at this point like my energy levels were going down too i probably burned a lot of it going up that came miners trail right so i was feeling a little sluggish like I wasn't really able to run as much as I had been. So I kind of settled into a walk run from the lookout to, I would say mile 38 where long point was. Turned in my keychain, had some broth and mashed potatoes. And then I got my energy back. The energy came back within a half mile. And I was just thinking, man, I've got five miles left, you know, and I'm going to see Lisa and Mike at mile 43. And I was like really pumped about that. And so I was, I was hauling it down there. I was like, I got to see Lisa because, first of all, I feel bad about being angry at her. Right. I got to give her a hug. <laughs> and I was excited to see you, too. And so I just kind of took off down the hill. I really didn't walk at all from mile 38 to 43. I kind of ran that whole time. And yep. as I got closer, I was speeding up. And I think you saw me when I was coming down the hill. Yeah, you were you were running well, really, really well. Yeah, and I was kind of getting excited. Cause my body was just had so much energy. I think I screamed, did like a, like a signal and screamed at you guys coming down. Yep. Yeah. We uh, heard you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was feeling good. It's feeling good. But then I remember coming into 43 and we had some equipment malfunctions. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't get my, uh, my hydration bladder. What do you what would you call it? Like the top part? It's
0: the it's the closure. So it's the you know, yeah. it's the plastic closure at the top of of the bladder
1: and it just would not come off. Yeah, and it uh, come off. Yeah, and we we tried banging on stuff, you tried working on it. Even the backup hydration bladder that I brought would have been great, but unfortunately, I didn't have the nipple that goes with it. So yeah, that was kind of nothing. It didn't work very well. <laughs> yeah, it worked very well, but it was I was so happy that you were there because you told me, Hey, it's going to be okay. Let's just put, you know, one of your soft flasks in the back. It's not ideal, but it'll work. And I was like, you know what? He's right. Let's do that. I would say at that point I stopped drinking as much though, because it was kind of a different setup. I had, you know, a bottle in the back and two in the front and I was trying to figure out how to hydrate now. And so I felt like after 43, my hydration kind of went downhill, not terribly, of course. But I was less conscious of my strategy, like sipping from my my bladder and hose, yep. a couple yeah. electrolyte swags, you know. So going up to Anstead, kind of took it a little easier. You know, I had some broth and mashed potatoes. I think that's had some ramen too. Uh, I took it a little easier. Met a couple people along the way. Um, I think I passed three people going up to Anstead. Wow. Um, and I arrived at Anstead, I think it was like 12 and a half hours in. Yeah. Cause
0: you were, yeah, you were, you were right. You were in great shape at 50. So
1: yeah. You yeah. Were good. It was like 12 and a half hours in. And I, I remember looking at my watch, like this can't be right. Is it really 12 and a half hours in? And I remember my, my wife texted my parents like, Hey, you came into to, uh, Anstead. My mom's like, Oh, he's going to run a 24. This is great. <laughs> that's so funny yeah yeah uh, no it's I threw that number out. <laughs> not how it works but uh <laughs> yeah I remember seeing you at 50 you strapped a kogala on me got the headlamp on um really it was kind of like a pit stop like you just kind of set me up with everything I needed I think you got me some tater tots mashed potatoes yeah. broth tons of food and I made
0: uh, you eat I made you eat a lot going out
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember we were chilling. We're just kind of hanging out and you're like, okay, guys, bye See you later. (laughs) I was like, oh, Lisa, we got to go. And I was so happy that you did that when you did, because I could have wasted tons of time there. I just, when you're, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when you're in the middle of a race time, you feel like it's going slow, but it's actually going fast.
0: Yeah. It's like in your brain, in your brain, time has slowed down because you're in the race. But you look at your watch and all of a sudden it's like, holy smokes, where did where did the five minutes yeah, go? You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's like you're
1: in the Twilight Zone or something. It's it's the strangest yeah. thing. And but, that's that's
0: a, a good case for you know needing to have crew that are that know that hey, is this is this a three, five, or ten minute stop? Right. And then you stick to that you stick to that time frame.
1: Yeah, I, I think having you there was huge, just knowing what to do in those situations. Because last year I was kind of just freewheeling it. I had no idea what I was doing. I liked the idea of taking the nutrition to go and trying to eat. That was part of our original strategy going from Anstead to Fayette. It was supposed to be a slower eight miles where I would just eat a dinner, hang out with my wife because she picked me up there and meet you at Fayette before we go up that really steep climb. That was a fun Long climb. Point. <laughs> yeah. So we get down there And I'd been taking it easy, so my energy's back now. I'm feeling good. I took a bathroom break at Fayette Station, and I'm feeling great. You know, I'm so pumped to run with you, man. I'm like, man, I get to run with Mike now. Like, this is going to be so much fun. Like, let's do this thing. So, yeah, I just caught, you know, we got together and started making our way up the hill. Started talking about life and work and some fun stuff. And I remember climbing up the... The road there you were feeling good man like I was doing everything I could to keep up with you you were like crushing it I was like this is awesome like I was going I was going yeah Mike's gonna get me into the finish line good time it's like let's go <laughs> but yeah I just tried to stay behind you as close as I could and let you set the pace and things were going well right the first what yeah. four miles like First three, four miles,
0: we were golden, man. I mean, you were right on my heels, right where I wanted you to be. You were doing great. You were doing fantastic.
1: And something happened, though. Something happened at my, I think it was mile 62, 61 or 60.
0: Uh, yeah, it was like 61 or 62, and I still don't know what happened. So, I don't know what happened either. I just,
1: my energy just, it felt like somebody just, like, took it away from me, like, in an instant. It was gone. Just, I had no energy. My stomach was in excruciating pain. I think it was gas, just really bad gas pains. And I was nauseous, so I stopped eating. And that made the problem even worse. Yes. So I remember you said, hey, don't worry. We're getting close to the aid station. You need some ginger ale. That'll, you know, that'll help you quite a bit. Yeah, I figured if you could get a good burp, everything would be better. Yeah, well, unfortunately I didn't, but I got some advantage from the other side
0: yes you did <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah just stopping on the trail every five minutes was a little annoying and also getting passed by so many people that was the worst part i don't yeah. know people passed us but gosh,
0: we, we won't we we won't even go into that yeah, the, yeah a couple people passed us
1: yeah a couple people yeah we'll say yeah. a couple people there you go yeah and uh but it was after that ginger ale i started to feel a little bit better though my stomach started to feel normal again you know
0: well, and yeah. I think you realized you could let it out the other end. Yeah. And, you know, nobody's going to say a thing. Yeah, you know, we're out in the middle of the wilderness in the dark. So it right. was okay.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I, I wasn't
1: bashful about that either.
0: Probably no, you weren't.
1: off the trail a little further than I did, but. It's I, all good, man. <laughs> what it is. But, yeah. So I started to feel better, but it came back, man. Like once we got into Arrowhead the arrowhead trails. It just, it came back like that. Your
0: your favorite long point to arrowhead section. You're, you're saying that that was your favorite section of the whole race. And you'd like to maybe do like repeats on that next year.
1: Oh no, absolutely not. And, (laughs) And it's funny because last year, I don't even remember it being that bad, but this year I had my low point on it. And then, Unfortunately, the race director talked about it before the race as a complaint that most people had. So it spurred my my thinking. Like, I wonder why. And then, yeah, and then I did it this year, and I was like, "Oh man, yeah, you don't want to have a low point in that section." No, that's-
0: that you is the worst section to have a low point. That's a that's a hard section to do if you're in a high point. Oh so yeah. So in a low point, that makes it wow, out of this world difficult
1: oh it is just hard because we couldn't get a piece of flat ground anywhere it's just everything was undulating yeah we're kicking rocks you know falling down all over the place Did, what, we were doing 30 minute miles at some points
0: yeah there was a point where where we were lucky to be doing 30 minute miles and right. um yeah and it was yeah. and it was everything to keep you moving
1: oh yeah oh yeah you <laughs> i remember this um uh, I, I was feeling the lowest of lows at mile 66, the lowest of lows. I mean, so bad. And you said, hey, Adam, do you want to play this game called stick? What you do is you stay with me and you can't get any further away than my stick. Let's play. And then you just took off. And I'm like, I gosh, dang it. <laughs> so, and I think you figured out pretty quickly that I wasn't into that game. You,
0: you didn't make it a mile, man. But yeah, if, no. you, if you were a man who caused you you would have been cousin at me so. oh i was thinking some thoughts <laughs> you you did not like me at that moment no this is a stupid game and i'm gonna kill you
1: <laughs> yeah and then, and then you told some stories about colorado i think it was like some Leadville stories and i was like oh my gosh like i'm feeling so bad and i love trying to get distracted in these stories but i just can't stop focusing on this paint but the pain just wouldn't go away. And I was eating. I was trying everything. I think you gave me some fuel. I forget what you oh, gave me, pistachios. Yep. I was trying different things, but we just couldn't crack it. I don't know what it was.
0: Yeah, it was it was a mystery that was not going to be cracked by anything on this earth.
1: Yeah. And I remember uh, we just stopped in the middle of the trail. Was it 67 or 68? And we just prayed. Plus 68. And yeah,
0: it was, that was an awesome moment right there. Yeah. And
1: you prayed for me. And and it was just an awesome moment. And people running by were like, "What are these goons doing in the middle of trail?" I bet they were thinking that. But well, the
0: one dude asked me, you know, because we we prayed and we took off, and I got a little ahead of you and caught up to one of the dudes, and he's like, "Did you just pray in the middle of the trail?" And I was like, "Yes." And he just like looked at me like, "Okay." That's strange. Yeah, That's, yeah. yeah was it like was seems strange. pretty natural to me, but you know, okay. <laughs>
1: but it was power. It was a powerful prayer. I remember that. I don't remember everything that you said, but I just remember you know thinking you know if anybody's going to get me through this race, it's going to be God. And uh, from the beginning of the race, you gave me that Isaiah forty thirty one verse to meditate on. Yeah, I started thinking about that after the prayer. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I just started yeah. thinking about that. And and there were some frustrations getting the arrowhead, as you know, with the signage. Oh, yeah. and a few yeah. other things. <laughs> getting you know, off the trail. But we finally made it there.
0: We hey, did. I only I only took two wrong turns. I just want everybody to know that as a pacer, I only took two wrong turns.
1: So. Yeah. Well, I don't blame you. I mean, it was tough. We were going in oh, circles. Yeah. You didn't know which circle you were in or when it was gonna. Oh,
0: and it got so confusing after a while. I was like, I don't know if I just turned right or if I just turned left. I I don't even know where I am right now. And then <laughs> the Arrowhead sign,
1: miles. What was it? Say mile seventy and you mile seventy. Yeah. One mile to go, and it's like, yep. wait, I thought the Arrowhead was at mile seventy. Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> So, that was one of my favorite moments of the race. <laughs> yeah, You think you're there. I thought I was, you know, within a quarter mile once I saw that sign. And then I see another sign that says one mile to go. And, oh, man, I don't even remember.
0: Engineer came out of you.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. At that
0: point that I was like, I really am running with an engineer. So <laughs> <laughs> precise measurements are a key. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. And when you've been running that long, you got to get the markers right because that's right every mile counts but we finally got there and there was a fire and they had a video and there were runners that were quitting and it was hard not to get sucked into that because yeah. you know everybody was so negative around that fire i don't think there was one person that was positive there's one guy on the phone yeah,
0: everybody was his negative. Wife.
1: he was pulling out of the race there's another girl getting her feet worked on she didn't think she was gonna run anymore and this guy's pacer is like well what do i do you know he didn't know what to do and he's going,
0: I'm just going to run to the end of the race, man. Yeah, that's my what said. I told you I was going to the end. I'm going to the end. I'm like,
1: huh? <laughs> yeah, He just went. Yeah. I remember seeing him. That was hilarious. But yeah, it was that just was. such a negative environment. And I was yeah. just we were sitting there just looking at the fire thinking, man, like we made it this far. I'm not about to give up. Like we only have 30 miles left. Like these people can do it if they really, really wanted it. And I really wanted it. Like, I just wanted to to prove that I could do this thing through God's strength, because it wasn't my own strength that I was relying upon in that moment. And I remember going up to the aid station, I had some mashed potatoes and broth. And this was kind of a blur to me, but I remember wanting to get out of there and you yep. weren't ready to go or something. I can't remember. Well, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't
0: filled my bottles. I had all yours filled, but yeah. I, I hadn't filled mine. And so uh, I was I, trying to fill my bottles and you're like, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, oh, I got to fill my bottles also. <laughs> so, I'm but, sorry um, about that because I was completely just like. Mentally- oh, no, but it was good. I was like, I was so excited because I was like, all right, he's back. He's ready to go. And I knew that that this wasn't this. You know, you see this transformation sometimes in runners. And I think a lot of runners go, yeah, man, I did this. And it was at that point that I knew that you had just tapped into something supernatural and that it wasn't, this is not a, okay, Adam made this happen. This was a something descended on Adam and he is now going to push through. And I was like, okay, it's going to be a fun time to the end of this race, because I knew that you had something inside you that, that was not going to let you be stopped.
1: Indomitable. Do you remember that word? Yes. Indomitable. Exactly. And that's exactly how I felt. I felt this just surge of energy, just like, man, it was like instantaneous. Like it came out of nowhere. Like I had literally just downed the broth, Like yeah. one second later, I've got just a massive amount of energy. And I'm like, let's go, Mike, let's go. And I, th- I was asking you, how long did that take to do Arrowhead? Like, how long were we out there? I think you told me. And I was pretty upset about that. It's like, really? We- that took us that long to run six miles? And I forget how long it was. That was almost two hours. Four hours?
0: (laughs) No, it was like two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Yeah, you thought it was four hours. And I was like, dude, it was not four hours. (laughs) But yeah. So (laughs) so just because I haven't told you. So as we're getting into Arrowhead, right after we had prayed on the trail, all I'm doing is just repeating indomitable in my head. Just, you know, is going indomitable. He has to. He has to accept. That indomitable is the only thing that is going to get you through. And for those of you who are listening, that's your that's your work assignment for this week. to Look up the definition of indomitable and then figure out if this is something that you'd like deposited in your life, because it's special. It is really special. And you got it. You got it. Because as soon as you got up out of your chair and you said, we're off, man, were we off.
1: Yeah, we started moving, didn't we? And stayed together for a decent amount. I mean, I think we ran, what, a mile or two together? And I was feeling great. Yeah, I think we got like almost
0: three miles together. And we were running like 11s and 12s. And then all of a sudden, you just like, I've never seen anybody just get a burst. of I don't even know what it was. It was like all of a sudden, you were like this man possessed. And you just took (laughs) off. And I was just like this is exactly what I wanted to see. And I, you know, I think you turned around at one point and were like, what do I do? And I said, don't stop, keep going. I'll either catch up or I won't. You know, it was was one of those
1: things that was like happening outside of you. Like I I can't even describe what it was like. It was just like, I was moving. It's just like, I was just going like, that's as simple as that. Like my body just wanted to move fast. And I was like, let's just go. And I told myself, What did I say? I'm going to go down to Cunard in less than two hours. I was going to run You did. did.
0: We left and you said, we're doing this in less than two hours. And I said, let's do it.
1: Yeah. And man, I remember I got that burst of energy, just took off. And I was passing people left and right. I was passing so many people out on the trail. You passed
0: more people from from Arrowhead to Cunard than passed us from Long Point to Arrowhead
1: yeah oh yeah it was insane way, more. way passing more people that had passed me and they remembered me because i had a yellow scarf they were yeah. calling me a yellow scarf because i was the only one having a scarf because like i said the cold air was kind of weird on my lungs i thought the scarf would help but yeah i started passing these people and i remember just looking at their faces like what is going on because i wasn't just like passing them i was zooming by yeah. like yeah, Like it was almost like they were sitting on the side of the road and I was just running by. That's, that's what it felt like. And, uh, it felt really weird. It felt like I was, uh, I don't even know. It just felt like I was outside of my body. <laughs> yeah. so I that well, you know, it's
0: funny because we, um, I, you, you had zoomed past and I'm, st- I'm still, obviously I'm moving pretty good because I'm passing those same people. And I remember one guy said, what did you do to your runner? And I was like, Look, man, it wasn't me. I said, this is a power that that is not me. It's not from me. But, you know, and I pointed up and I said, when you got that kind of power, you can do amazing things. And I just kept on moving, thinking, okay, dude, you just got a message. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I had people going, what's up with your runner? I'm like, I have no idea. Right now, he's not my runner because he has dropped my butt.
1: Man, <laughs> I felt bad about it. I felt really bad about that in my head. I didn't <laughs> want you to
0: feel bad because no, I, know. I was like – That is exactly what you're supposed to do. And that's as a pacer, you know, and this is this is uh, here's another life lesson for pacers. As a pacer, your job is to get your runner moving. So if it comes to the point where your runner has it and they're moving much faster than you're going to, do not get an ego and tell them to wait for you. You tell that you tell your runner to keep moving because that's the goal. You've done your job at that point, because as a pacer, your job is to get your runner to the finish line. It's not for you to get to the finish line. That's called ego. You got to put your ego in the back seat.
1: Yeah. And you were, man, it was a blessing having you out there, man. Like from just all your experience of knowing what to do in certain situations to that. I just took off. Like you said, I just took off. To mile eighty, and yeah. um, and I remember going to mile eighty. I I should have stopped there a little bit longer than I did. I was just feeling so good, like literally, Mike. I I ran that whole time, like I only yeah. walked. Like I ran from seventy two or three. You don't even know when I left you. From to uh, eighty, and it just feeling just so good. And I even felt good at eighty. And I remember, right, just, and I was so I, proud of you at
0: eighty because I came into eighty about six minutes after you. And I asked the guy, I said, well, how did he look? And he's like, man, the dude came through here. He got his bottles filled up. He got something to eat and he was gone. He said, I think he was only here like three or four minutes. And I was like, yes, he did it.
1: So, you know, <laughs> it was like, he, he's got the eight station spirit, man. Yeah, man, it, it was awesome. I, I got in, I got out. And I was thinking in my mind at that moment, I was just thinking, hey, 20 miles left. You're almost done let's just yep. keep zipping. How, how long can I keep this energy going? Like, I didn't know how, how long it was going to last. Um, then I kind of got into a little bit of a negative headspace cause I, I then realized about 82 that I didn't have a backup headlamp. Like you had all the lights and Lisa had my backup headlamp and I was all alone out there on the trail with one headlamp. If that thing went out, I'm done. Like yep. I, I couldn't be able to see in front of my face. I remember turning it off at one point on the trail, just testing it, seeing, okay, how dark is this actually going to be? And I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face <laughs> that dark. And I was just thinking, man, okay, well, that, that is what it is. Uh, maybe I can find a runner. So I kind of powered through it a little bit and ran up ahead. And I found a runner that had a headlamp and I kind of stayed behind him. For a couple miles until about uh, 84 and then I thought to myself well he's going really slow and I still have energy to move so I'm gonna pass him and I know I don't have a backup headlamp but it is what it is so I got them mile 85 and a half and I told the aid station volunteer hey I only have one headlamp and no spare batteries is there anything you guys can do do you guys have anything you have any triple a's you have any headlamps and I remember the lady said I have double a's I'm so sorry no. Oh, it's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> it was still dark. It was still it very was. dark, yeah, yeah, and I had several hours in the dark until it it got light. And I just remember thinking, well, this is this stinks. like what's what's up with this? The only thing I was thinking about was my headlamp. So it was just these compounding distractions of like thinking about my sickness and then getting distracted with my tendon. And then having a, a, a stomach issue, and it was just all these things that was taking my mind off of my health, of how I was feeling, because my body was not feeling good. I mean, I was coughing the whole time, had congestion, all that stuff, but I wasn't thinking about it. Like, luckily, I had all these little distractions to think about. So and it was a blessing in disguise, actually, that I was thinking about my headlamp in that time, I think. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, as you know, mile 85 and a half to 92 and a half is just brutal. I mean, there is so much climbing that occurs from 85 and a half to 92 and a half. I even forgot about how much it was last year. And this is where I started to get back into my negative headspace. This is where my energy kind of went away a little bit. Like I, I started to- Completely
0: tanked, I think, is would be a good description. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, all the life was sucked out of me after I got up that climb. And I think I met you at 90. Yeah. I had spent everything that I had. Whatever the energy kick that I had was at mile 80, it was done. I mean, it was done, done. I was at mile 90 depleted. I don't remember much. I saw you. I remember that much. But what, what did I say to you when I saw you? Because I don't even remember that.
0: Um, it, when you saw me, you were like, oh, thank God. You know, it's like, so yeah, you were, you were very relieved to see a familiar face. And we just, we just cook your brain off of everything. And I told you how excited Lisa was to be running the final part with you and how, you know, you were crushing it and it's all daylight now and it's all, it's all downhill from here, which is a lie, but it was okay. But yeah, I mean we just we just talked for that, you know, two and a half miles and just you know kept your head off of the pain and the fact that you've just climbed a miserable, really, really hard climb. And uh yeah, you you were doing great. You were still moving. And that's that's the key. The the key, the thing that you did right is you never stopped moving.
1: Yeah, I mean I wasn't going very fast. I think I was Doesn't jogging matter. and you were walking next to me. I remember yep. that. I remember that much, <laughs> <laughs> but there was a lot of drama that happened from 86 to 92 and a half, because evidently my tracker died at 90, At sorry, 86. Oh yeah,
0: 80, at 80, yeah, somewhere between 80 and 86, your tracker died. So yeah, we 80. had no idea where you were.
1: Totally died. Uh, yeah, And I remember my mom, we had this like family thread and my mom goes, we lost Adam and his Pacers not with him. And I remember she sent that to everybody, everybody in my family and she almost gave my grandma a heart attack because my grandma was like, what do you mean you lost Adam? Where is he? (laughs) So nobody knew where I was. You didn't know where I was. I had one lamp and I was just kind of winging it. Right. So when you saw me at 90 and Lisa saw me at 92 and a half, I think there was a sense of relief, just like
0: there was a huge sense of relief.
1: Yeah, everything's okay. So, yeah, So We yeah. we had no
0: idea where you were, and we had no idea how to find out where you were because the radio at the 85 aid station wasn't working very well. Oh, boy. And so they weren't able to tell the people at 92 and a half who had come through. And so we had asked, and they're like, we can't find out the information because the radio's not working. And that was when Lisa was getting a little bit stressed out, and I just said, you know what, I'm just going to go find him. I've got a Pacer bib. It's not a big deal. I'm going to go find him. I'll get him here, whatever it takes. So.
1: And you did, and you found me and you ran me back to 92 and a half Concho. Yeah. And that's where I picked up Lisa. You got me a bunch of good food. I can't even remember what I ate. This is where my mind. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, the, the, the key ingredient for you, the whole race was putting the mashed potatoes in the broth oh man yes that was that was like the magic potion oh it was magical you crushed the last seven and a half miles
1: yeah that was a good stretch lisa paced me last seven and a half yeah she was
0: like ready to run man I, i i thought she was gonna take off without you i was like wait wait you you gotta take him (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, she's you have actually, to have him with you <laughs> she's an outstanding trail runner like i was watching her while we ran that last seven and a half and she was like tiptoeing on the rocks like super yeah, yeah. Con-
0: you've got to was- convince her to sign up and do a hundred with you maybe maybe she should do rim to river next year too exactly
1: i think i hey, should, I I a should a a do couple, that but i don't know if a it'll couple
0: work. doing rim to river together now that would be cool that would be awesome but yeah she she's got Lisa's that. is gonna
1: kill me isn't oh, she, she, yeah. she really is she after this yeah she might be able to hear me right now actually exactly but, but yeah i remember she's tiptoed on the rocks and i'm just pounding the rocks like my my legs have no like like kicking them like they're just like dead weights and i'm just kicking rocks and she's tiptoeing, <laughs> and i'm like thanks for running with me <laughs> 'Cause it was you make me fun. look really bad right now. So yeah. Yeah. And and I was running and she was in some parts of it, she was walking, I was running, and that was pretty demoralizing. So I said Lisa, come on, just run. Like this that <laughs> hurts. That really hurts. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> but we got to the finish line and, and we we went down the final hill pretty quick to to come in. And man, what a relief that was to finish the race just a flashback to the start line, you know, 29 hours and 19 minutes before that point. And it was all God that got me through it. There's no, it was a complete miracle. There's no way I could have been able to do that on my own power. I tell people this story and they're like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. You know, you sweat it out like while you're running. And I'm like, that actually doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. like. There's no logic here. Like I'm sick and I'm pushing my body harder than I pushed it all year. That's the last thing that my body needs right now to heal. But I tell you what, when I finished, I wasn't sick anymore. I really right. wasn't. Yeah. I was good. Your I voice mean, was, was back. You, yeah.
0: yeah. You had energy. Not a lot of energy because you needed sleep, but yeah. I mean you had energy and your but your voice was nor was normal by the end of it.
1: Now it's the craziest thing because last year I lost my voice at the end, and this year it came back. So it's weird. And I remember <laughs> saying, "Hey Mike, let's go get the taco bar." Because the only That's thing, right. I'm talking, Mike, we got to get the taco bar.
0: And you're like, okay. you you weren't focused on anything else. It was yeah, it was taco bar, taco bar, taco bar. So and then yeah.
1: and then I felt so bad. We got in to get our taco bar, and I'm sleeping on the table.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were. Because <laughs> yes, you did not eat your taco bar. You talked about it. Yeah. And I'll bet if you ate two forkfuls. That that would be a miracle because you were sound asleep in your seats. So. Yeah,
1: and I remember waking up. Hey, guys, I'm so sorry because you guys were talking. We were all kind of trying to recap what had just happened. So you right. were kind of in shock. And I'm just laying there, like, hardly able to talk, just looking at you guys, just feeling so bad because I really wanted to talk. I just couldn't get my head off the table. But... But yeah, and all
0: I could think about was I have to get him back to his cabin somehow.
1: So, oh, man. Yeah. I don't know if you lifted me in my car. I don't even know how I got in my yeah,
0: car. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we had to sort of maneuver you into the car. Was it your car? I can't remember whose car. Was I think it. it was my car. I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was my car because your car was up at the house. So it was my oh, car. Yeah. So we got you. Got you in my car. Uh, Lee's got in the back and got you up to the cabin, got you up the stairs. You lived. So it was all good.
1: Yeah. And then I went to sleep and four hours later I woke up and I, I think I said, see you, Mike, when you, cause you guys had to head out. Yep. We had to head out hours early. Later. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and the rest is history, man. It's just a it just,
0: it was a phenomenal race. You, you, you really did a phenomenal job of managing what you could manage and leaving the rest up to God. I mean, you
1: really did. Absolutely. And the the glory goes to God for this entire race. There's just no way I could have done it under my own power. Just feeling like I did at the beginning and then feeling like I did at the end, putting everything I had on the line, sick at the beginning, good at the end makes no sense, but I'm super, I'm so thankful that I was able to finish that race. I really am. Yeah. Yeah. Just it was a special thing having you there too. So I really appreciate you joining me on my journey. Oh, it
0: was an awesome uh, journey. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't have missed it for the world.
1: All right. So what's
0: next, Adam? You didn't get into Western States. Nope. I did not. But okay.
1: I put in my name for the Leadville lottery. We'll see if that okay. happens. If that doesn't happen, I'm back to Rim the River. And my friend Richard and Sully are gonna do it. Awesome. Uh, 24. So I'll probably okay. just go ahead and run it with them. Yeah, and it'll be the third time that I will have run this yeah. race. My only hundred in West Virginia. And an
0: ultra marathon is simply a microcosm of life. And the way that you've got to look at an ultra marathon is these are the things that I'm going to go through throughout my lifetime in a short, you know, 24 to 30 hour period. So if I can take the lessons that I'm learning in this ultra marathon, and now the apply them to the bigger game, the bigger race of life, Things are going to be okay.
1: Oh, you're right. That's exactly right. And I would say after you complete one of these things, everything in your daily life feels way easier. Like when you get back into the swing of things, like, you know, your job, you know, your family, everything is just so nice. It's like, I can't wait to go to work. I get to sit in a chair. I don't have to run. Right. It's so nice. Well, and problem
0: solving. Think about problem solving after you've run a hundred mile race where you spent the whole time problem solving. Yes. How much easier is it to problem solve in a regular, you know, ordinary day of life where it's like, this ain't so hard. Yeah. yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't I don't have to try to figure how to how to let like, gas out of my That's body right. right now. You <laughs> know, this is this is actually not that hard. So, you know, it's much easier than that. Yeah,
1: and I, I would say the biggest thing about running a 100 miles is it's a humbling experience. It's just you, the trail, and God. Yeah. And it's a very spiritual experience, and I would encourage anybody to do it because you'll become a different person at the end of it, I guarantee.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. What's the biggest uh, spiritual takeaway that you would take away from this year's Room
1: to River? I would just say... Trust the Lord in all things. Like, even if things are not going the way that you wanted them to go, maybe that's not the way they should go. So just trusting in him, no matter what the situation is, that he knows what's best and just leaning into that. Um, We always think that we have the right ideas. We know the best path, but it's really he who leads us and he who guides us. And uh, I think if we can just follow him, and just have him lead us, I think that's a better place to start. Yeah,
0: I think that's the perfect way to take us out of here and and leave this, this, this podcast, because, you know, if people can take one thing away from it, it's that, you know, when you begin to trust in something other than your own natural abilities, amazing, incredible things are going to happen in your life. Amen. Yeah. So, Adam, thank you so much for joining us, man. It was an absolute pleasure to spend time with you out on the trails and get to know you better. And it's been a great time chatting with you tonight. So, thank you so much. Thanks
1: for having me on. And I'm just blessed that uh, we can run together. Absolutely. We will do more running together. Mount Trashmore awaits us. Let's do it. (laughs) You got
0: it. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on living an ultra life.